friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And today you rejoin us in our second part of our little uh, time we're going to spend in Genesis chapter 31, looking at this story of this conflict, if you like, between Jacob and Laban. Uh, his, his wives Rachel's and Sarah's father and we're reaching this point where there's a real bit of a clash going on but before we launch off just by way of introduction I'd like to remind you that there's always a transcript of each and every one of these talks available in any episode notes of any audio version of the podcast that you might be listening to now the vast majority of people listen to the podcast so within that Wherever you happen to be receiving it from, you'll find an episode notes page which gives the transcript. And I'd just like to remind you that these transcripts and the talks themselves, I put them out there in the public domain. They're free for you to use them and utilize and do what you want with them. I'm more than happy, run with them with my blessing, use them to create your own Bible studies or just use them for your own devotional time. But maybe if you're interested, or if you're called to preach or to teach, I'm more than happy for you to do what you want with them. It's nice to have a credit for the podcast if you're doing that, but it's not necessary. It's yours to get it out there and to help people introduce the rhythm of the Bible into their daily lives. If you do happen to be part of that group who watch the videos version of the podcast on Facebook or YouTube, then there'll be a link there along with some other links, but the, the link through to the audio version and Buzzsprout will be there from where you can download the, uh, the transcript of what I've said. But anyway, that's it. By way of introduction, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your prayerful encouragement and nothing encourages me more by just seeing the number of people who are listening every day. But that will do for now. I'll maybe see you at the end. But other than that, let's jump into the main text of what we're covering today. Okay, today's section, which is going to cover the middle part of Genesis chapter 31, I've called the final showdown. So we're going to pick up the story again. It's a long chapter and there there have been and there's going to be lots of twitches and turns in the 55 verses that the, the story covers. But today we're picking up the narrative in verse 22, where it tells us this. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban, the Armenian, in a desert at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob either good or bad. Just out of interest, describing Laban as an Aramean is what we would today call is is where we would today call modern Syria. Now the first question this might raise in your mind is why three days before Laban is told and decides to go off in pursuit of Jacob? Well, you may remember if you were with us previously in the last chapter when we looked at that, we were told that Laban moved his family three days away from Jacob. 
So that's why the news would take three days to arrive. So he's he's now discovered that Jacob has gone with his his wives, which were his daughters, and he's taken them with him. And he's taken all the flocks and herds. They're all gone. They've left lock, stock and barrel, so to speak. Laban then sets off and pursues them, and it takes seven days, which is not surprising because, remember, Jacob had a three-day start, start, so we shouldn't be surprised that it took seven days to catch him up, and it says that he, he catches him up eventually near the mountains of Gilead. Now, we know God had been protecting Jacob, and he will continue to do so, and in this case, he does so by speaking directly to Laban in a dream. And this is what he says. Now, Laban probably is in a response of anger chasing Jacob. So God appearing to him is really probably giving him an opportunity to just reflect on the situation. And it tells us this. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so that I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night... The God of your father said to be to me, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's household, but why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take my da- your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who stole your gods, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the household gods. All right, Laban, you see, is upset, and you might say justifiably so. He didn't have a chance to say goodbye to his daughters, and so he catches up here and he rebukes and he reprimands Jacob. But then he ends up saying... Why did you take my household gods? So this is something that's clearly a big thing for him. I understand, he says, that you might have wanted to leave and go back to your father's house and back to your land. I understand that, but why did you take my idols with you? Now, remember, Jacob doesn't have a clue about these stolen idols. He didn't know that they'd been taken. So he answers truthfully when he says, well, first of all, he says, he was afraid and he left because he thought Laban might take his daughters back by force. But he also says, well, he didn't steal the idols and if he finds anyone who has the gods, that that person should not live. Now remember, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Can you see what he's just done by making this statement? He's potentially pronounced a death sentence on his wife Rachel. I haven't got them, he says, but if you find them here, you can kill the one who has them. It's interesting, isn't it? I bet you can't wait to find out what's going to happen. I think if this was a story on television, this is the point where they'd have a commercial break to try and build some tension. Well, I hope you're sitting next to your seat, because what's going to happen 
when Laban searches for them. Picking up the narrative in verse 33, it says, So Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants, but found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods, and put them inside her camel's saddle, and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Hmm, clever, eh? So Laban searches Jacob's tent, then Leah's tent, and then the tent of the two servants. But he doesn't find them. He doesn't find anything. But when he goes into Rachel's tent, remember it's Rachel who has taken the household idols, and she's put them in the camel in the camel saddle that she's sitting on. So when he enters the tent, she's sitting on the saddle with the items in the saddle bag, or under the the the, the seat of the saddle. Get the picture? Now it's important to note that a daughter would normally be expected to rise from wherever she was sitting and grow and approach her father when he arrived and bow down as a sign of honour to the father. But throughout this all she's remained in on sitting on the camel. This is what she says to her father. Verse 35 Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. So Laban searched all through the tent and did not find them because Rachel was sitting on them. Rachel makes the excuse to her father and says, forgive me for not rising and coming before you because I'm having my period. And Laban, well, frankly, if he's anything like men, when women talk about such things, he probably thought, you know, I don't really want to, think about this and know about this so she tricks him in plain sight of everyone and when he searches the tent he finds nothing now a point worth making is according to the book of Leviticus for her to sit on those idols would have contaminated them and made them permanently unclean so this would suggest that she doesn't really have a lot of respect for those idols by sitting on them in that way, which helps maybe help us have a more forgiving attitude about her relationship with them. And we discussed that in the previous uh, chapter. But the big point is, at any rate, Laban doesn't find them. And that it is this point we see Jacob respond to all that has gone on now and all that Laban has said. And the text continues, Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? Now that you've searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it in here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between us. He's saying that knowing nothing's been found, of course. Now, earlier in the passage, Laban had lit into Jacob for leaving them. And they also then accused him of stealing the idols, which, as far as Jacob was concerned, of course, he hadn't done. So now it's Jacob's turn to have his say and to say something back. Jacob is now finally going to get to tell a few home truths to Laban and tell him about all the things he's done to him over the years. And some of these things we are only now being fully made aware of in this passage. They haven't been covered in the narrative so far. I count six complaints contained within his statement. It's a quite a long little passage, uh, so bear with me. We'll pick it up in verse 38. 
and where we hear him say this, I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and your goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams from your flock. I did not bring your animals torn by wild beasts, but I bore the loss myself, and you demanded from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime, and the cold at night, and the sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for twenty years I was in your household. I worked for fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have been sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. So, what's Jacob been saying? Well, point one, he says in essence, look, he, he was the shepherd of the flock, and he was careful in taking care of the lambs and the goats, and that there were no miscarriages under his care. He did his job well. The second observation he makes, I never used any of your flock for my own family's food. His third observation, I've been a good employee for you, even when animals were torn by wild beasts. He says, I, in fact, carried the loss on those occasions. Now, in order to appreciate what he said here, you need to understand that the law of the Near East at that time said that a shepherd was not responsible for the losses of his master's flock due to the attack of a wild animal. So what he's saying here is, I was not legally responsible for the sheep that got eaten or destroyed by wild animals, but I still stood the loss, not you. His fourth observation, which was found in verse 40, says, Look, I served you faithfully in all conditions and in all weathers. In 110 degree heat, I served you during the day, and even when it was below freezing at night, I served you through all on every occasion. Number five, he reminds him that he stayed loyal to his house for 20 years, even though during that time he has changed his wages 10 times. Wait a minute, you might be thinking, he served seven for Rachel and seven for Leah. So 20? Well, 20 comes from the deal they made in chapter 30, the previous chapter. He wanted to leave Laban and, and Laban had said, at that point, no. After he completed his, his 14 years for Rachel and Leah, he wanted to leave, but Laban said, no, I want you to stay. And that's when they made a new deal about spotted and speckled animals. You'll remember that. So apparently at this point, he has worked for him now. He's done the six years of that, which now means he's been with Laban for 20 years. And what he's saying in this passage is that for 20 years, he's faithfully served him. And he's always been faithful to him, even though Laban kept changing the terms of the original deal that they made. We are finding out about things that have gone on here that have not been mentioned before. And at one point, he, he's, he's telling us that during this six years, he's changed it. He said, you know, Initially, he said, you can have the speckles, but when they were seen to start multiplying, he changed it and said, no, you just have the spotted. So at this point, we're really finding out the full extent of just how dodgy a character Laban was. 
Then Jacob makes the final observation in verse 42, and it says that, If it hadn't been for God watching over me, that he would have been ruined many, many times over. He's been through it all, he says. As a matter of fact, uh, had it been left to him, to Laban, he would have been cheated out of everything. In other words, he's, he's telling it like it is, but he's also referencing and giving thanks for God for carrying him through, for God for being with him, just like he, his father Isaac had done before him. And he finished by, finishes his, his statement by saying, God has seen my affliction and the work of my hand. So he's saying God's seen it all. And he's saying except for the blessing of God, who he names as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, he would have gone through the situation for 20 years and have been left empty-handed. But God saw to it that he would be with me, which is exactly what God had told him would be the case when he fled to this land 20 years earlier. Remember, Jacob and his family had been away for 20 years now and he still hadn't got back home to the place and the land that God had promised that he should be because that's where God was going to bless him. So what did the Lord say he wanted Jacob to do at the beginning of this chapter? He reminded him that he wanted him to go home. Remember? Well, he's fled. He's on his way home. He's got halfway home. He's now in the middle of that return journey. And then there's this great conflict goes on. And so he's still at this point not back home yet. Okay, you got that? But at least now we have some sort of opportunity to create a lasting peace between him and Laban. Maybe clear the air, so to speak. So let's see. They appear to have gone, done that to some extent. Let's see if they finally can make some sort of accommodation of each other and find peace together. But we'll do that in the next episode. Okay, there we go, folks. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, I'd like you to remind you that there's not only the transcript, but there's access to lots more of my teaching available on my Patreon website. On there, I put long-form versions of my Bible teaching alongside some talks I do, and also coming up soon will be some discipleship courses. If you're someone who's ever thought that you'd like to develop a gift that perhaps you have of Bible teaching or even preaching, then I may be able to help you because my plan is to put on a course to help people plan and prepare expository preaching. In other words, how to preach through a text within the context of that text and apply it in the world in which we live. There's also other links there to other things that I do. There are links there to my Facebook page, my YouTube channel, even my sound design website where I create not only the music and the sound design for this podcast, but also some projects that I do in other areas. And all those things are available through the links in the episode notes and through the Patreon page. Now, by becoming one of my patrons... 
you are enabling the Bible Project daily podcast to not only be out there, but remain out there in the world on the internet, free at the point of access to everyone who wants to get it. So you're enabling that to happen as well as supporting me in my ministry and having access to some exclusive content and teachings. One other thing that's good to, to, to know is that if you appreciate and value this podcast, then why not share it? Why not subscribe to it? And why not like it or share it on social media? Because that way it enables it to get in front of more eyeballs and more people can be blessed by the Word of God. But anyway, that's it for today. I really do hope you've enjoyed our time together. And I'm, I hope that you're benefiting from having the, the Bible as part of the rhythm of your daily life. But I could, can't leave without saying thank you again. Your listening to this encourages me so much in so many ways. And your prayerful support is always appreciated. In fact, it's really coveted. But that's it for now. But I do hope to see you back here really soon. It'll be tomorrow for me, but whatever day it is for you, I really appreciate and hope that you'll join me again and carry on this journey together, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the Bible. But that's it for now. Bye for now from the Bible Project Daily Podcast.